0: Welcome to the North Decatur Presbyterian Church Sermon Series. We're a PCUSA congregation in Decatur, Georgia. If you'd like to find out more about us, go to ndpc.org, or just come by and visit. Here's this week's sermon. Well, we have been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the greatest religious texts that has ever been written, words by Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And last week, we heard the Beatitudes, which are these beautiful blessings, these beautiful blessings. We don't see those Beatitudes, those blessings, we don't see them exactly with our eyes. They're not exactly the way the world is, but we are invited to live as if they are true. And now Jesus moves on to the next part of his sermon, and he's going to take up the question of laws what do we do with the law all of the teachings that that our ancestors moses and abraham and ruth and hagar and jeremiah and isaiah they all gave us wisdom so what do we do with all of that wisdom now that jesus is here listen to what he says do not think i have come to abolish the law or the prophets And teaches them, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now you have heard it was said in ancient times, you shall not murder. But I say to you, if you are angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. If you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a person with lust, they've already committed adultery in their heart. Again, you've heard it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, Not by heaven or by the earth or by Jerusalem. Don't swear by your head, for you can't make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your cloak and your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile with them, go the second mile too. Give to the one who asks of you. Don't refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it was said. You should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you do this, you will be children of God who is in heaven, for God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect. Be perfect. Just as your God is perfect. That is the word of God for us, the people of God. Together we say, thanks be to God. Us into God's realm with their beauty and their gentleness. Make want to be part of this kingdom that He's describing, this beloved community. The Beatitudes kind of reach into our hearts, they awaken in us this deep longing that we all have for a world in which every person gets to enjoy dignity. But then Jesus slips into a different mode. He says, okay, so you long for this kingdom of God where blessings abound. Well, guess what, friends? To live in this kingdom is going to ask something of you. It's going to ask you to think and to speak and to act in ways that you might have thought were impossible. I'm not sure there's ever been a set of ethical instructions that is clearer to understand and more difficult to follow than these ones. It's as though Jesus has just said to you, to inhabit the kingdom of heaven is really quite simple. All you need to do Is be perfect. His examples are clear, right? You've heard it said before don't kill. Well, I say to you, don't even get angry. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say, don't even look at someone who's not your partner with desire. You've heard it said, don't make oaths. I say be frank and clear with all your words. Let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. You've heard it said that acceptable justice is an eye for an eye. I say give up all retribution and revenge If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer them the other. If someone takes your outer garment, give them your inner garment so you're naked as a jaybird. If a Roman soldier comes along and asks you to carry their pack a mile, offer to take it the second mile. Give to anyone who asks anything from you. As if all that's not enough, Jesus issues the greatest, most challenging ethical instruction ever, love your enemies. What's Jesus doing? Why does he ask from us what feels impossible to give? The first thing I want you to see in these teachings is Jesus's subversive humor. Now, the situations that he's describing aren't at all funny. A humiliating slap, a soldier telling you to carry their bag, someone who repossesses your belongings to collect on a debt you owe. These are all things people do to harm someone else. Sometimes they do those things by choice, but often it's because people are caught up, right, caught up in larger structural forces that depend on inflicting harm as a means to subjugate others. That's the world that Jesus is living in, that world of structural forces in which some people are empowered to harm others. Maybe it's the world we live in too, a world in which some people feel entitled to take the things that belong to others or to take their dignity. Jesus is teaching resistance to us by by way of comic political theater. Okay, so the Roman soldier barks at you and tells you to come and take his bag and walk a mile. See what he says when you say to him, thank you, sir, I'll gladly walk a second with you. Or that guy who comes to take your coat, see what he does when you strip down to your birthday suit and offer him every bit of clothing that you have on your body. The great New Testament scholar Walter Wink suggested that slapping the right cheek was by definition a backhanded slap meant to humiliate. But to offer the other cheek forces the slapper into a moment of awkwardness. It says, in effect, your first blow failed to achieve its intended effect. You can try again, but I deny you the power to humiliate me. I'm a human being just like you. This is the genesis of nonviolent resistance if someone is humiliating you and the social world you live in sanctions it what can you do if you fight back you are doomed but what if you can magnify the absurdity What if your actions in that very moment show the person not only their immorality, but also the inhumanity and the inanity of one human being harming another? Jesus teaches you to interrupt the internalized logic of oppression and harm. Those who do what Jesus counsels have brought down empires, colonial empires, and white supremacist empires. So Jesus is teaching you how to subvert unjust power and unjust laws, but there's more than that. Jesus is telling you that some laws have to be broken, and yet there remains a law, a higher law, that you must always obey. I've come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, Jesus says. Jewish law is one of the most beautiful religious legacies the world has ever seen. Over centuries, Jewish men and women have discerned that it is God who gives us our lives. And if God has given us our lives, God surely has given them for a purpose. We are given this life. We are given these bodies these hearts, these minds, and these spirits, so that we can do with them whatever we want, they're given as a gift. All of this, all of who you and I are, all of this is for a purpose. That's what the law affirms. The law says there is a shape There is an end to a human person. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know what an end is? The Greek word is telos. What's the end of a violin? Right? The end of a violin is not when you smash it on the sidewalk and it splinters into a thousand pieces. The end of a violin is when a violin does what it is made to do. instrument is made to make music so that your heart comes alive. That's the end of a violin and everything in this world has an end. So what's yours? You, you who are made by God just a bit lower than the angels, you who are crowned with glory and with honor, you who are made in the image of your creator, what is your end? You are made to love. You are made to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly. That is your end. That's what you were made by God to do and the law is what shows you how. Jesus is pushing you not to just obey the law but to look beneath the surface of the words of the law and there under their surface you will find the beating heart of God's love for you. It's not just about refraining from killing someone It's about being aware that your unbridled anger will lead you away from your end. Mind your anger, Jesus says. It's not just enough to refrain from adultery, but be aware that it is your desire, if left unattended, that will lead you away from God. Take care with the things that you desire. It's not sufficient just to avoid making oaths. But mind the truthfulness of all of your speech, because careless speech will surely lead you away from your end. Watch your words. Jesus is reminding you that the laws of our tradition, these Ethical teachings aren't just there to require your obedience. They're not just there to shame you or guilt you. The law is given by God to shape your purpose and your end. Your emotions, your desires, your words are gifts. But they must be formed and trained and lovingly cultivated. Cultivated. Over the years, we Christians have come to see Judaism as a religion of law and Christianity as a religion of grace, and nothing could be further from the truth. Law and grace are two sides of the same coin. We need law and we need grace. We need rules and we need mercy so that we We who are flawed and frail and fragile can grow into our full humanity. That's what I hear Jesus getting at here. These ethical instructions are challenging for sure, but they're not impossible. I think the struggle that most of us have is not a struggle to follow the rules. I think we can follow the rules. I think our struggle is believing, believing that God makes us with such a beautiful purpose in the first place. Our struggle is trusting that God abides with us every day, abides with us so faithfully that Jesus is so deeply in each of us that we are capable of reaching our end. Be perfect, Jesus says. But it's not what you think it means. It's not that Jesus expects you to do everything right all the time. He's quoting from Leviticus 19.2 which says, be holy. Be holy just as God is holy. Be holy. Live your life and participate in the life of the divine. Let the beauty that is God be in your body. It's not impossible. It is exactly who you are created to be. Let the church say amen. Amen.